0: Hey, you are listening to the But Also Podcast, where I, Lydia Zipporah, take you on a bit of a journey through the insane epic that is the Bible, from my perspective, of course. But also, we'll chat a bit about life and have an existential crisis or two. It'll be great. She'll be fun. Let's jump on in. Today, we are on day 394 of social distancing. That's a little Potter of reference there for those of you who are cultured. <laughs> and today, I just want to reminisce on the good old days when we would go hours without food and experience this little thing called Hanger. Um, because Hanger is furloughed. We haven't seen him. He needs to file for unemployment, which is hard. And he's been around for thousands of years. You know, it's a pride issue. But also, let's talk about the importance of delight right now and How you absolutely are allowed to find solace in food and entertainment during this time. Hey, friends, hey! Uh, Before we jump into this week's situation, I want to thank you guys for all of the love, the support, and the feedback on our first episode. Um, I was honestly overwhelmed by the number of you who deemed it important or appealing enough to actually listen. And so I am so happy you guys enjoyed it. Those of you who gave suggestions for future episodes, you have been heard, and I am excited to explore those stories a bit further for this podcast. Also, for those of you who kept asking, when are we getting the next one? Not going to lie, I didn't want to say it aloud because then I am responsible for upholding that, but here we are, conviction outweighing want. So, bi-weekly on Mondays are when you can expect your podcast from here on out. Circumstances permitting, of course. Alrighty, so while preparing for our last episode, I stumbled across a familiar story about Jesus that reminded me that if humanity is one thing, it's consistent. Some things have definitely stood the test of time. And one of those things, my friends, is hanger. Yes, hanger with an H. But before we get to Jesus, let's go a ways back to ancient Israel, because you know they were a mess. And if you don't know, you're going to find out. So, the Israelites. Now we need a little bit of background to kind of get us here to this moment. I can't give you the full entirety of everything that's happened at this point, but some cliff notes on the Israelites and this man called Moses. Now, if you aren't familiar with Moses? I would maybe pause, take a moment if you've never seen the Prince of Egypt, go watch the Prince of Egypt. That's about Moses. Get you a nice little bit of DreamWorks animation and some lovely music and meet us back here. Yeah. Um. However, some cliff notes. So my man's Moses was born a Hebrew in Egypt. Now, the Hebrews were God's chosen people. But at the time, they were not oppressed people. They were slaves to the Egyptians. So my man Pharaoh was like, um, "We put these these Hebrews in slavery, but uh, there's a lot of them. They keep making more of themselves, and uh, they they finna take us out. So we just need to start killing them off." So he's like, "All right, so we are just gonna kill these babies, right?" That said, when Moses was born, his mama kind of hit him for a bit. And then when she couldn't hide him no more, she was like, all right, I got to get rid of you, but I i don't want you to die. So she puts him in a little basket, puts him in the water. His sister Miriam was just kind of out here just watching to see what's going to happen to her brother. So her brother just so happens, you know, to to roll up in the, the water to Pharaoh's home. I guess the Pharaoh's daughter, he was out in the water. You know, she was minding her business um, and she went and she finds this baby. In a basket, and she's like, "Ooh, he' cute. I'ma take him." So Moses is there in this basket. And his sister pops up out the, I, I imagine the reeds along the water. She's like, "Hey, you want me to take him to a Hebrew woman to take care of him, and you know, to raise him a little bit?" And she was like, "Yeah, that work." And so his sister's like, So they take him home, and his own mother kind of raises him, but he grows up in the palace of Pharaoh. However, you know, we do a fast forward, nice little life montage. And Moses is, you know, he's grown at this point and recognizing that the Hebrews are an oppressed people. His people are an oppressed people. So there was this one day that he was outside and he was watching this Egyptian man beat this Hebrew man. And, you know, I told you, I know I told you to go watch Prince of Egypt, but they try to make this part like Moses accidentally killed that man. No. Um, he definitely the Bible says that in Exodus uh chapter two verse twelve it says he looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. He said, mm, ain't nobody here. Let me just kill this man and he goes about his day. Now the next day he comes out and he sees two Hebrews are now, you know, having a bit of fisticuffs, fighting each other. And he's like, Why are y'all doing this? And he they like who made you, prince and judge? You finna kill us too? And Moses like, "Oh my gosh, people know. They know I'm a murderer." Moses like, "You know what? Let me just leave because I'm not trying to die." So he dips and goes out into the, the country to a place called Midian. Gets himself a wife. Her name's is Her name is Zipporah. Fun fact, by the way, it's my middle name. Anyways, goes finds himself a wife. There's some some circumcision and a bush. And you know the bush, and the Lord talks to him through the bush, and then after the bush he dips, he goes back to Egypt with his family. The Lord tells him, "Do these things, and Pharaoh will have to let my people go." So you know he goes, and there's all the signs, there's the frogs and the blood and the snakes, and by the power of raw, if you watched the Prince of Egypt, like I told you, you would get that reference. Anyways, so after all that happens, and Pharaoh is hard-headed and don't be trying to follow instructions. Long story short. After the miracles and the babies are dead, there's a lot happening. Go, go, take, take a moment, head over. It's an epic. Enjoy. The Egyptians are finally set loose out into the world. And as they're leaving, Pharaoh goes, you know what? I changed my mind. So he runs out and follows them. Then the Lord opens up the water. It's a whole thing. That's it. These slaves, the Hebrew slaves, are now free. Moses' job now is to lead them to the land that God promised their forefathers now you would think right that they are out here that they would be nothing but joyous oh my gosh we ain't slaves no more we can live our best little hebrew lives and sing our songs and do our dances because you know them they, they like to dance um you would think right but no not at all so The Israelites have been freed by God and they are on their way to a place called Elam under the direction of Moses, of course. The Bible says on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, so roughly like a month and a half, the whole, not a few, not most, the whole congregation of people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, Moses' brother, in the wilderness. So... These people haven't even been free for two months yet and are already collectively complaining. You'd think that one wouldn't have much to complain about after just being freed from slavery. But boy, is forgetfulness a strong little bugger. Friends, let me let you in on the conversation they were having. Our pals the Israelites began to reminisce on their apparently great lives as slaves. Why, you might ask, because they were hungry. They said, if only the Lord would have just killed us back in Egypt, at least I would have had a snack. Y'all remember the meat and the bread? We were slaves, but oh, a good time. Moses, you done brought us out here to die of hunger. Yes, you too, Aaron. Don't you be trying to go hide behind Miriam over there? So the Lord hears this, speaks to Moses. He's like, I heard him come to chill out. I'm about to rain manna from heaven and they'll be fine. They are to gather a day's worth every day, no more, no less. He was trying to see if they was going to be greedy and disobedient because he'd be knowing. Now, the Sabbath, the day of rest, where no work was permitted, being the seventh day, whatever they gathered on the sixth would multiply to cover their need. So, of course, it's now Moses' turn to go share this information with the people, but he's like, the one sibling that mom tells that sibling to tell the other sibling what she said and so they like to add like their own input god said that he heard y'all was whining and is going to provide food so y'all can be reminded of his glory because y'all was being loud and acting like it was our fault that we are all wandering in the desert hungry being little babies (laughs) y'all Moses be over the Israelites and it's completely justified because they be tripping And this is literally just the beginning of it all. The number of times that he reminds them alone, like in this chapter, that they were whining, makes me laugh. But as we see this story play out, God holds true to his promise, sending bread from the sky in the form of this flaky substance they coined as manna. The Israelites' behavior definitely paints a familiar picture in their disobedience. They play out the reason you should never go to the grocery store hungry. But going out, they gather way too much food because of their fear of hunger in the coming days. Isn't familiar, Even with God's promise of provision. I mean, the grocery store was still going to be open, y'all. But any food that was left over, molded and was covered with worms as God had been explicit in his command to only get what was needed. Not to mention the Sabbath came around and did they stay inside like they were told? Of course not. There were a few, because there's always a few, that said, nope, outside is open, and I'm going to go back out there to find more food. The Lord would command them to gather a jar of manna to keep as a reminder of God's provision. Maybe we need to do this. Maybe we need to get a roll of COVID toilet paper from this time, get it casted, and save it for when we inevitably need a reminder of God's constant provision and when we at some point are gonna to have to tell children about in the years to come. Let's pop over to the New Testament real quick. The story that prompted this conversation can be found in the gospels of Matthew and Mark. Mark is my favorite because the way it's organized has the least context, making the story even more amusing. So leading up to Jesus's death, he makes what we typically refer to as his triumphal entry which is a fancy way for us to pin that time Jesus made a grand entrance into Jerusalem and the people were hyped, they were celebrating their come Messiah. And the next day, this random tidbit, again for me at least, brings a comforting reminder that Jesus gets it. The day after this grand event, Jesus comes from this town called Bethany, which was maybe give or take two miles outside of the city of Jerusalem, where he's headed back to and he is hungry. So he's walking around and goes, hmm, there's a fig tree over there. That looks like it should be in bloom. Let me go grab a little snacky snack. When he got to the tree, there were no figs. Matthew adds here that it was not the season for figs. So automatically my mind goes to Jesus going out of his way to go to Chick-fil-A, only to get there and see no one and realize it's Sunday. (laughs) So he's big mad because he's hungry. And so he curses the tree so that it may never bear fruit again, like ever. Just never, ever again. Because that one time Jesus was hungry and he just keeps going. No explanation. Like, Jesus, were you upset? You didn't you didn't think that was a bit much. So Jesus and the disciples, we then find out were on their way to the temple. And friends, I, I didn't pay attention to this initially, but we go from this scene to Jesus flipping tables at the temple. Now, while we know that Jesus's anger at the temple was justified, I need answers. Did they ever stop to get Jesus a snack on their way there? Because if not, that might explain why Jesus's was less words and more action than he had displayed up until that point, as far as frustration goes. I mean, as a PK, a pastor's kid, I can attest that a tolerance for crazy church folk can be significantly increased with food. But I need to know, So after the whole situation at the temple, the next day, Jesus and the disciples are again passing by the tree. Jesus cursed. And Peter is like, hey, look, that tree you withered is all crusty now. And Jesus is like, have faith. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe and you will receive it. Now, I know these words are divine, but I like to think that the initial tree withering was not planned to lead to this moment. In Matthew, he organizes it so that this lesson is shared right after Jesus withers the tree, probably to make sure that the message is understood. But in Mark, he is clear in stating that this conversation happened the next day, prompted by Peter. To me, it feels like when your parent does something like unparent like or just really just dumb. And when you ask them about it, they redirect and try to make it about you or to try to turn it into a life lesson because they knew their behavior was questionable y'all are not going to tell me Jesus didn't just turn his tantrum into a sermon <laughs> moral of the story sometimes anger makes us a little cranky and that's allowed it even got jesus so if we rewind and take it back to first kings we see a dude this dude was a prophet and he went by the name of elijah now prophets were messengers of god who would hear directly from God and, you know, pass on the word. Sometimes they would also perform signs and wonders. And Elijah, in my opinion, was a bit of a ham and notorious for his displays of God's power. Now, there was a pretty famous lady in Elijah's day. Uh, You may have heard of her. Uh, She went by the name Jezebel. Good old Jeze. Now, Jezebel's favorite pastime was to have God's people murdered. You know, that was her thing on a normal day. So after one particular showdown with Jezebel's prophets of Baal, some fire from heaven, that may have ended with Elijah slaughtering most of said prophets, um, she was a little pissed and swore to have him dead by that time the next day. Now, Elijah heard this and was like, uh, let me get out of here. So he runs a day's journey out to the wilderness. and I didn't grab no shoes or nothing, Jesus. I ran for my life. and gets real dramatic for someone who just called fire down from heaven. Um, so he's laying under this tree. He's like, Lord, it's too much. Just kill me now. She trying to get me and I'm tired. So homie falls asleep from exhaustion. Then this angel shows up, who I imagine sounds like Tabitha Brown. If you don't know who she is, go look her up. She's just a bomb. She's just a bomb who fills me with such warmth and such joy. Shout out to Auntie Tab. The angel says, get on up, eat you some bread, because that's your business. And Elijah looked up, and there was a cake on hot stone and a jug of water. He did what he was told. He laid back down. The angel returns. Wakes him up again, says, go on, eat a little bit more and go on ahead. Elijah then eats his food and walks for 40 days to his next destination. Apparently, all talk of God ending his life was given up. Homie literally just needed a snack and some nap time. Y'all, I just imagine God being like, somebody go get that boy a snack. Just all this drama. Jesus is such, you know, the Lord is just such a father. You know, just up there like, if y'all don't go get this boy a snack, he is just so dramatic, just trying to fix stuff. We love him. The Lord's a father, man. Sometimes you just need a snack and go sit down. You know, be feeling like the, you know, your world's about to end. You'd be stressed out. I don't know what's wrong with me. Either you need a snack or you may be premenstrual. Um, just saying, but also, Hey friends, how are you guys doing? uh the days have been literally amazing uh or absolutely trash for me uh but we're out here you know we are alive we are um, breathing I have a home and groceries and that is marvelous um I have never bought this many groceries in my entire adult life uh but I have found so much joy and the creativity and rigor of cooking um and comfort in eating the past few weeks or so Um, I was on my way to my fridge the other day when I realized that I hadn't been like hangry in a while and was like, huh, I imagine I can't be the only person experiencing this is, you know, there's not really much stopping me from picking over uh, just the constant stream of snacks. Uh, I think that's why I thought these stories were super cool and wanted to talk about them now, uh, because food plays such an interesting role in the Bible and in our lives. Um in the Bible you see listen Jesus always had food like Jesus is probably probably the best argument to make for not having meetings um without food because homie always had food when there was something happening um but you know food plays such an interesting role in the Bible and in our lives and during this time um uh, if we're careless it can be easy to feel shame or guilt over our intake and, All of creation has a purpose, you know, even something as simple as food, which is, you know, primarily intended to keep us alive, um, God can use to restore us, to create community like Jesus always did, and to refuel us, to help us celebrate and to bring comfort. Elijah's story in particular, I think, really demonstrates that God has not only allowed food as a comfort, but has gifted it to us. If we actually listen to our bodies, it tells us when we need protein, when we need specific vitamins and minerals, when we need water, and we listen. I think it's safe to say you are also allowed to listen to your body when you simply need food for comfort, Um, food that allows you to reminisce, and food that simply brings you joy, delight in the simple joys. Be wise, of course. You know what's unreasonable, (laughs) and you know what your body needs. And of course, that's different for everyone, but give yourself grace um, and delight in what he's given us right now in a time when it may feel like so much has been taken. I love you guys. You know, this podcast is just a work in progress. Uh, I feel like I say so and um a lot, so that's cool. Um, But I'll see you guys again. Well, I won't see anyone. Hmm. Interesting verbiage. Anyways, I love you guys. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. I mean, you have a wonderful week. Go live your best life. Alrighty. Bye.